The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. Welcome to the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, offering insights, wisdom, and counsel from the most respected CEOs. Here is the host of the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman. Welcome to the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. Today with me, I've got Blaine Strickland, who's the CEO of HBS Resources. Blaine, how are you? Good morning, John. I'm doing great. Awesome. Blaine, uh, go ahead. Let's go and get started. Can you just give us an overview of where you see the real estate market today? Uh, I like to say seasonal. Uh, And what I mean by that is that if you look at the history of commercial real estate, which is the sector that I'm in, um, has been a cyclical asset excuse me, for the past 100 years, maybe 150 years. So if you were to just draw a simple graph of the fortunes of the commercial real estate market over the last 100 years, you would see that it goes up and then down and then up and then down. Fortunately, that's a stair-step effect so that each up is a little higher than the one before. Um, you know, what's been kind of interesting about this last stair-step is that uh, we had the Great Recession which lasted longer than most downs, promptly followed by the great recovery, which lasted longer than most of the ups. And so here we are again in a down period, uh, similar to other ups and downs in the commercial real estate market. It always seems to affect different asset classes in unusual ways. So many people today, as an example, are familiar with the woes of office space. But if you remember just a few years ago, uh, COVID had caused a, a disaster, you know, a tsunami uh, in the hospitality space. Um, retail is making a huge comeback right now. Self-storage is starting to suffer an oversupply. So these ups and downs uh, are seasonal, cyclical, if you will. Um, there's been studies that show that on average over the last 100 years, those cycles, those stair steps last somewhere in the eight-year range. So if you think that we've been down for maybe – two years-ish, coming up on two years, and maybe still have a little bit longer to go, then I would say we're probably somewhere near the bottom and about ready to start our up again. So that's that would be maybe a big-picture uh, view that I hold. Gotcha. And, um, you know, you've had a lot of perspective. You know, you've uh, been a teacher, and, and uh, you've, had your, you've done big deals yourself, and you've been uh, with big firms. So when you look at all that perspective you have kind of like both both uh, academic and wisdom background is there anything within all that from that knowledge that has you a projection of what you think the next 12 to 18 months are going to look like well um, you don't have to be much of an academic to agree with a strategy of buy low sell high and so if it's true that we're past the peak of maybe late 2021 and somewhere near the bottom, then you would be thinking that uh, this the, the zone to buy low is either on us or near us. And if it's true that the cycles last for eight to ten years, then the way I like to tell the way I like to talk about it with people is uh, get ready. You know, aggregate your capital, get your systems in gear so that you can be nimble, fast, flexible. And what I think is coming to be a period of buying, uh, a period of accumulating in hopes that we're near the bottom of the cycle and on the way to the top. 
if that's true, then uh, then it might be that we might not see another down for, let's say, another decade. So what I like to say to people is, look, you're going to get a, a two-year down period once a decade for the rest of your life, so get ready. Uh, I guess on the worst-case basis, if I'm wrong and it lasts longer, then the worst that would happen is that you would have gotten ready. Uh, so my, my combined, uh, if you will, wisdom, which is get ready uh, with where I think it's going to go, I think we're going to see the end of these federal funds uh, rate increases. I think we still have um, consumption patterns in front of us that bode well. Uh, income, average household income is in pretty good shape. We're still trying to build housing. Our unemployment rate is low. So there are pieces in place that point to a fairly significant recovery. So I just made a note here. Uh, Blaine Strickland says everything going to be great for the next 10 years in real estate. That's my, <laughs> Well, you I... remember the days, <laughs> John, when we used to always come up with a slogan for each year, you know, like yeah. uh, <laughs> open the door in 24, yeah. you know, those kind of things. So right. I haven't figured out my slogan yet, but I'm, I'll work on it. Uh, everything great. Forever, Blaine Strickland. That's your. I don't know something, something, something like that. When you yeah. think about these uh, opportunities, you know it's funny enough. I, uh, as you were talking, what hit my brain is like, do you see this as a market where as things come back, it kind of uh, rising tide lifts all boats, or, you know, does this become more the people with the best bench strength, the best knowledge, the best uh, intel are going to do better, while some others don't? Meaning like. You know, you've got to really know your game and where to buy and what to buy and why buy it. It doesn't mean everything everywhere is doing great. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. I've been in this discussion recently uh, with some people who tend to agree with me and think, yeah, now's the time to get ready. Um, a guy named Daniel Kahneman wrote a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. He won the Nobel Prize for that. And one of the things he talks about is loss aversion and really crystallized that idea, which is. Uh, if you are a commercial real estate player, you hate, hate, hate to lose money more than you than you love to make money. And so I think that's going to be a real challenge for some people as we go into this maybe upward swing, which is really the question, John, is if you own three assets, my question is not how have those performed over the past, but are those the three assets that you want to ride into the up period? Or should you maybe transfer your equity into other plays that you believe have the best growth prospects for what's in front of us. It's not rising tide is going to raise all boats. In other words, if you told me, Blaine, the office market has been so hammered, we can buy this building for half what it sold for five years ago. I might say, well, John, that doesn't give me any hope that it will rise again to that level. So the mere fact that it's half of what it was five years ago is not nearly as compelling to me as show me how this is going to grow at an above market rate. What what does this asset or this opportunity reveal to us in terms of its strength of growth prospects? So a, a looking forward mentality rather than a comparison to the past and acting off of that. I think that's a great point. Blaine, I, I, uh, I'll look at 50 deals, literally 50 deals before I make an offer mm -hmm. on one. Mm -hmm. And there are mm -hmm. a ton of deals I can't figure out. Like people send me a deal mm -hmm. and I I have to see a path for it to make sense. And once I do, then I get excited. And then sometimes I get them, sometimes I don't. But I, I still personally, uh, I've been doing this 30 years, I have to look at a huge number until I see something I really get interested in. So uh, I, I think that's proof of good discipline. <laughs> right. In other words, well, let me phrase it differently. John, just because you could buy it, should you buy it? Yeah. In other words, we're not really arguing whether you have the money. 
and that if you owned it, you would have the skill to manage it. We're not arguing that. That we're taking that as a given. What we're asking is, does this does this opportunity present um, growth prospects that when I ask you three years from now, John, I see that you've owned this property for three years. Has it performed to the way that you expected? And hopefully your answer will be yes. Mm-hmm. We were counting on the fact that there was blank, blank, and blank as reasons to own this asset, and we predicted correctly. And so the the opportunity for someone like you to, uh, I think, use the discipline to look at fundamentals so, John, what was the pattern? I know you buy a lot of retail. What was the pattern of household income growth? What was the pattern of a rising employment sector? What was the pattern of um, you know, credit card consumption? All the kinds of things that you can uh, observe now. And you would say, well, then it's really no mistake. It really wasn't an accident that this asset performed well for us because we felt that we had identified the growth prospects and and that's what we governed our. That's how we governed our decision. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's. That's great insight. You know, I always come back to it's got to have some sort of path, and it's got to have a story in my mind. And you're right; it's really like a story of growth. Um, when I see a deal that's got so much packed into it that everyone has to be, everything has to be perfect for it to work out. Uh, that's usually not a play for me. Um, Blaine, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, if you can hang on, want to come back and uh, want to ask you to switch gears a little bit and ask you a little bit more about uh, leadership. Um, so this is John Crossman, and this is the Crossman Conversation CEO Edition. We'll be right back with Blaine Strickland. Managing a team that has a lack of accountability and effective communication can be frustrating. Bill Roto-Rooter can help you build a cohesive team and a collaborative work environment. As a retired commander of the Navy's premier training system and research development organization, Roto has the experience to help you build trust and a high-performing team as you navigate high-pressure situations. To schedule a complimentary call with Roto, go to rotospeaks.com and complete the form and put the Crossman conversation in the message field. Here's a call to those who want to make an impact on their company, their community, or who possess a desire to make the world a better place. Crossman Career Builders provides the tools and resources for you or your company to make a difference on some of the toughest issues that we all face. Crossman Career Builders partners with CEOs, politicians, and pastors seeking to address problems of racism, mental health, addiction, justice, and suicide. CrossmanCB.com. At JLL, we are reshaping the future of real estate for a better world. For over 250 years, our firm has remained committed to offering trusted and innovative solutions in commercial real estate leasing, management, investment strategies, and technology. JLL.com. See a brighter way. Once again, here's John Crossman. We are back. This is John Crossman with uh, my good friend, Blaine Strickland. And you know, Blaine, I uh, I know you as a personal coach and mentor to me in some of the most important business decisions I've ever made. You have been right there beside me, guiding me. And I also know that uh, you're a very highly regarded CCM uh, professor. And of course, and sometimes you're, you're teaching a class with a bunch of 60-year-olds, and then sometimes you're teaching a class with college students. And so I'm really fascinated from your optics uh, because you coach CEOs and you coach college students. If you're talking to a group of young professionals and they're like, uh, Blaine, we want to become CEOs, what are the traits, uh, what are the advice, what's the guidance you would tell them that they need to have in them to become successful CEOs uh, in the business industry? 
Well, that's, a, of course, a multifaceted uh, conversation. Um, I know, John, for I don't know what it's been, maybe 20 years, at least 20 years now, where you sort of started this If I Were 21 Again movement, if you will. Correct, correct. And we all attend any of those kinds of um, conversations. And it was always interesting to hear what different people would say. Uh, you know, some people would say, uh, focus on getting smarter, not making money right out of the box. Some people would say, become um, proficient, you know, be, be really good at something. Um, so I think there's a lot of answers to that. Uh, two ideas sort of come to my mind. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Stephen Covey's Four Quadrants. If you were to read his 35-year-old still bestseller book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he divides all of our activities into four quadrants, urgent and important, not urgent, important, important, um, uh, urgent, not important, and not urgent and not important, which is sort of wasting time. But quadrant is important. That means you have to do it today. Um, but the second quadrant, not urgent, important, means it's important that you get it done, but it doesn't have to be done today. Uh, so for uh, many people, that's sleep, exercise, reading, getting smarter. And then depending on what your discipline is, if you're a salesperson, as an example, that might be prospecting. You don't have to prospect today, but you have to get it done in some way. Covey puts a lot of pressure on leaders to spend their time in quadrant two. So sometimes I talk about, imagine if I had a Fitbit that I could put on your wrist and then read at the end of the week and say, well, John, let's take a look. You spent 10% of your time in quadrant one, urgent and important. You spent X percent of your time in quadrant two, quadrant three, quadrant four. And Covey wants leaders to spend a lot of time in important, not urgent. And the reason that he says that is because those are the things that a leader does, has to do, because there's no one else in the organization to do it. Warren Buffett followed up on that idea by saying, um, my job as leader, Butcher Hathaway, is to allocate resources. And that's kind of a code phrase for... If you think about what he has to do, he has to the way he phrases it, I have finite investment dollars to invest across infinite, infinite opportunities. And so I think a great discipline for emerging leaders is to really focus on those things that they perceive to be important but not urgent because once you are a leader, that's your job is to allocate resources, which means you have to see the vision, determine how you're going to pursue that vision, and then allocate the resources. If you think about yourself, John, as CEO of your firm, you could. there's a lot of things you could do. You could pursue greater brokerage opportunities. You could uh, expand your public speaking, book writing uh, events. You could um, buy more real estate. There's a lot of things you could do, but, but if you try to master your time, one of the things you would say is, but what is the what is the most important thing that we do? And then how do we allocate resources into that? So I like to sort of set up that rubric for young people early on and challenge them in that way, which is what's going to be mo the most important skill that you're going to have to evolve is the ability to discern what is important but not urgent and make sure that you that your Fitbit at the end of the week shows that you spent at least 50% of your time in quadrant two. I love that visual, and I love that uh, reference. Uh, actually, I have a copy of Covey's book on my on my desk right now. Um, it, I am dealing with an uh, individual um, who's a great person at a big company, and it's so funny. I was just thinking about this the other day that when I ask them kind of a fun, cool, helpful question, I get an answer immediately. 
if I bring them a crisis, I get a response immediately and everything that's important, but not urgent sits. It's it's, and it's so it, it, it's exemplifies what you're talking about. And they're a great person. It's just, they have trouble finding that space to make that happen. Why, why is that tough as a concept for people? And I'm sure I'm including this to get their arms around. Is it just, we, we just get poor time management. We're too distracted. What, what is that Blaine? Well, uh, a lot of the people that I deal with, and, and it, it, admittedly, it's a, it's a subset. Not everybody wants to be coached. Not everybody seeks a mentor. But, the, but there's some small subset that do. And so my perspective is warped by these kinds of people. And what I frequently find, and you sort of describe this type of person, uh, is that, number one, they're very talented. They, they have, almost everything is interesting to them, and there's, and there's almost no limits on what they could do. In other words, one of the big challenges that they face is, okay, just because I could do it, should I do it? I was with one of my clients who was very talented not long ago. I went to visit him in Phoenix, and we were spending the day together, and we went out to lunch, and we got poor service at lunch. And he was fuming, and he said, you know what? I'm going to buy this stinking restaurant, and I'm going to fix this. And I said, no, you're not. He said, yes, I am. I said, we're not arguing whether you could do it. We're just arguing whether you should do it. Mm -hmm. And so when you're a good athlete, let's say, a good corporate business instinctual athlete, a lot of things are possible. And what you have to do is come to grips with the fact that you can't do it all. You're going to have to institute triage, that idea that some opportunities don't go pursued and fall away. But your life is richer by channeling the talents, many times immense talents that you have into a few chosen avenues in which you can make a real difference. I uh, did not go to Las Vegas uh, for ICSE this year. It's kind of my goal to never go back. You know, we'll see. Um, <laughs> but I sent uh, Flava Kenyango for my team and you know, she's vice president. She handles, she leases all the properties I own and she does tenant rep and other things. And a friend of mine said, man, Crossman, if you'd gone with her, you could have mentored her, introduced her and done all these things. And I said, sure, uh, but if I'm in the meeting and she's in the meeting, everyone's talking to me. If I send her by herself, they're talking to her and she's stretching and she's growing and she's becoming more confident who she is. And so everyone's got to go their own path. But in my brain, as I get older, I see myself being more in the background and trying to put more younger people in the foreground. And again, that gives me the ability to work on things that are important, not urgent, because they're working on urgent. They're working on some other things and it, and it gives me the capacity, but I have to be very intentional to get to that space to do what you're advocating people do. Well, I heard, I heard that concept. I read that concept recently in a book and it was talking about when you're young, you have what they call fluid knowledge, which means you're smart and you can figure out how to solve a lot of uh, problems. You, you grasp concepts quickly, but as you get older, you get what's known as crystallized knowledge, which is the ability to translate information and data into wisdom. And it was encapsulated in this statement. When you're young, you learn that a tomato is a fruit. When you're older, you learn that you would never put a tomato in fruit salad. <laughs> well said. Well so, said. So that's what I sort of see happening there uh, between you and Fabian. Well, um, Blaine, we're going to need to wrap up. Actually, we're going to take a break. Then Mike and I have our last section. Uh, session. Before we do that, I just want to say this. Um, I People compliment me. They're very kind, and people ask me about my career and success and things I've done. I just want people to know, if you're looking at me, I didn't just happen out of nowhere. I have had great coaches and mentor, and one of the best has been Blaine Strickland. So if someone's listening to this and you're thinking, gosh, I want to you know, be like John, 
buy Blaine's books, <laughs> hire Blaine. Like I, I didn't just accidentally happen. It's through a process and uh, invest in yourself by, you know, getting great mentors and coaching and leadership by, by Blaine and his team. So Blaine, thanks for all you've done for me personally and, and for so many people in the industry. I'm grateful for you. Yeah, I would bounce that back at you, John. You've made a huge contribution. You've got a legacy mindset, which is you have wanted to give back from the earliest days. And so uh, thank you for your contributions to our industry and to the world around you. You've made it a better place. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an honor to serve. We're going to take a quick break and be back with our final segment here at the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. Crossmock Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. At JLL, we are reshaping the future of real estate for a better world. For over 250 years, our firm has remained committed to offering trusted and innovative solutions in commercial real estate leasing, management, investment strategies, and technology. JLL.com. See a brighter way. As the largest property tax practice in North America, Ryan's Professionals possess the local footprint and knowledge backed by a team with national expertise to help organizations minimize their property tax liabilities and ensure valuations are fair and accurate. With the Florida tax appeal deadlines approaching rapidly, local experts at Ryan work proactively with many jurisdictions across Florida well in advance of the August trim notice mailing to ensure our clients receive maximum tax savings. Guys, I use Ryan, and I hope you will too. Once again, here's John Crossman. Hello, Mike. We're back here. Hey, man, that was something. Blaine Strickland. Jeepers creepers. I mean, first off, listen, I can remember sitting in a restaurant with Blaine and him giving me wisdom that I was not expecting, that was like mind-blowing to me, that I didn't really act on, I kid you not, Mike, for like a year. Mm-hmm. And then like a year later, I had lunch with him and again, and I said, man, how did you know? Like, and so I just have really come to appreciate his wisdom. Yeah. Right? There's yeah, a lot, he's been around. lot of wisdom and that like comes out in the perspective. And then I think the other part is it's like, I think, I think most people say they want coaching, but you know, you got to pay for it. <laughs> you got to pay for it. Right. You got to write a check and that's part of it. And then the other part is like, you have to be open. And if you really want coaching, it's, it's more than not likely going to get painful. Mm-hmm. You know? I agree. And uh, not everybody wants to, to go there. Right. Yeah. You got to be ready for it. You know? Well, he has a lot of advice that is worth that kind of investment. You know, when you think about it, and I wouldn't have thought of this, uh, he's followed it enough to watch these, what he would call cycles. It's cyclical. And thinking about, uh, that that was a great little bit of an insider tip to feel like we might be on the verge of an uprise again of uh, the whole real estate sector. No, listen, I, I felt really good about that. That was positive and affirming. At the same time, it really gives me pause that like I need to really follow patterns of what's working, really understand my properties mm-hmm. at a deeper level. There was a couple of comments in my mind, man, I need to, I need to dive in harder and really push myself on understanding that. And then I really, I like triple circled, you know, important, not urgent. Like that's a, that's yeah. a great one. And that 
it's so simple, but you know, like again, so so obvious, but we we have to do it. Right? You know, going back, I mean, I was never certainly in in real estate, but I remember the business benefit that we all got from Covey's uh, day in in that book that he talks about. And for him to bring that up in, in current times like this, it just goes to show that sage advice still worth maintaining. Right. And, you know, it's funny, too. I'll, I'll say this, Mike, that uh, the analogy I've used is like this. If I had an arrow accidentally shot, you know, through my arm, like that's going through my arm, and you saw me and you took me to the hospital and you take me into the ER, no one has to say a word, right? Like you see... It's obvious. It's yeah. obvious, right? Mm-hmm. When you are fine yourself, sometimes in life in in business or in your personal life or any combination of that you can be really 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 upset um uh, anxious uh, depressed or something's going on and sometimes it's obvious to other people that the arrow is through your arm but you can't see the arrow through your arm mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. you can't tell what it is that's going on that's right so when you see a coach um, and a good coach isn't going to probably bluntly say there's an arrow in your arm, <laughs> but they're going to help you get, build a skill set to see the arrow. And of course, then once you got to see the arrow, you got to pull it out. That's right? right. Yeah. And that's all I want you to recognize it. And then pulling it out, it's a whole process and the pain that goes with that. Well, I tell you, my walk away from this uh, will include his statement about, it's not a question of whether you could buy something. It's should you buy something. Mm. And I think there's some real wisdom to us all on that one. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it, there's a discernment. Yeah. There's self-control. I wrote that down. He's discerning. Yeah, yeah, the self-control that we don't just get over our skis or uh, do something emotional, like we're just agitated or angry and that we're just right. going to make a decision. Uh, I thought all that, a lot of wisdom there as far as just thinking things through. A difference between fluid knowledge and crystallized knowledge. Yeah, that comes from the book uh, Strength to Strength, uh, which I recently read that book. And, you know, it's talking about all these famous people who were in their 20s, like Charles Darwin did Origin of Species when he was like 29, and then never really did anything else after that. And sometimes those guys later in their careers become kind of sad because they're always kind of looking back. Mm-hmm. And so he's talking about how as you get older, you know, like for me, I get older, well, then I hire a Flavia and then push into her and let her go do those great things while I'm in the background kind of coaching. And so he got his, he's getting his arms around that as far as like, you know, the great ones keep learning. So very good stuff, man. Yeah. Now listen, uh, again, if somebody looks at me and says, man, that guy's successful. Well, dude, I've had a lot of coaches. (laughs) (laughs) So look at the coaching tree around me. And, uh, some of those guys have wisdom that I'm never going to have. So as always, Mike, thanks for being here with me. You got it, my friend. This is the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition, and hope you'll tune in next time. This has been the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, with your host, John Crossman. Tune in next week for another talk with an experienced CEO that will help bring clarity to your business endeavors. The preceding was a Mark Radio production.